Kia ora everybody, welcome to another episode of the Stag Raw. So good to be able to bring you these episodes. Uh, first off, I'd just like to apologise last week with the episode with Sam Farrell, I accidentally cut off the intro. Um, still on holiday mode perhaps, but uh, no excuses for that. Um, sorry that we didn't get that there. Basically, I was wishing you all a happy new year, um, and so I'd just like to reiterate there is still early in the new year and I hope your intentions and what you hope to achieve this year are going along swimmingly. Of course don't panic if you're still in holiday mode and nothing's quite kicked in there but we wish you all the best and lots of love to everybody out there. And that's pretty much the theme of what today's episode is about. Today we speak with Yosefa Tuiaso mainly known as Sefa, or if you're heading to his Instagram page, The Brown Bear. He's a huge man with a huge heart, and on his Facebook, he has the tagline, Purpose Over Popularity, and it's something that the guy really resonates with. He lives with purpose, lives with meaning, and he goes about everything that he does with that same purpose and meaning. We were so lucky to catch Sefa. He was the next day heading into camp with the New Zealand water polo team. Um, as you'll hear about in the podcast, he's got a vast experience in water polo. That's how I first came across Sefa in the water polo pool. Um, I'll tell you a wee story about that in the intro. And just everything he's done is just created such an awesome human. Um, he played water polo in. UC Berkeley studying um, international development and globalization and so he's a switched on, considered, um, loving, friendly, just great guy and it's awesome to share his message and I hope that it resonates with plenty of you out there. So without further ado, here we go, our interview with Yosefa Tuiaso, the big brown bear. Cheers. Hey everybody, we're finally sitting down with the big brown bear, Yosefa Tuiaso, uh, known as Sefa, people call him Sefa, and the first time I met Sefa was at a water polo tournament, I was being a bit of a boss out at the point and um, need one of his teammates in the head on a foul, all of a sudden Sefa was marking me and uh, asked me if I was ready for this, turnover of possession and Sefa gave me a good one to the guts and I learned to Listen there that day not to be too cocky when there's big fellas like him around in the water polo pool. Um, but, Sefa, what did you get up to this weekend, brother? Um, this last weekend, uh, I actually can't even remember what I got up to this last weekend. It was New, um, New Year's Eve, bro. <laughs> uh, New Year's Eve. Ah, so that would have been a better question. This last weekend... Uh, I had dinner with some close friends, I uh, <clears throat> had a kombucha, yeah. and then went to bed early, um, you know, I'm, I've never been one to um, get into the whole super festy party scene, Yeah, um, I've done it before, um, and it just kind of blurred my first couple of days of the, of the new year, and it wasn't something that I particularly liked, um, and it wasn't aligned with um, what I w wanted to do with my time and my, my years. And so, yeah, I uh, set it off right with um, a little bit of yoga, 
um, a little bit of a, a swim surf, and yeah, it was great. Fantastic. Set some intentions for the year. Nice. So where was the kombucha from, bro? Uh, the kombucha was from Remedy, mm -hmm. an Australian brand, and I think I had the raspberry lemonade one. It was great. Nice. Hi. I had, a, I had a few brown fizzies as well, but I think we uh, had some of the, the summer on before we got started. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. and uh, th then the uh, homemade definitely came in handy on 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 the next day, um, along with a bit of walk in ocean air and a bit of a swim. It was it was good. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, who is Sefa today, mate? Who is he? Who am I? Such a good question. Um, really challenging as well. I think right now I'm sitting in a space of um, a little bit of limbo. Uh, this new year has, or this past year has been um, a place of lots and lots of um, learning and experiencing. Um, maybe sometimes not the lessons that I wanted to learn directly, but the ones that um, I, I needed to learn uh, the hard way. And so right now is just creating um, a lot of what my purpose and um, passions are um, and making them uh, a feasible, I guess, employment strategy for the, for the future um, and seeing where that kind of goes. Um, really, really excited. Uh, I quit my job um, and I'm just waiting for a couple of other things to potentially manifest, but yeah, I'm, I wasn't happy where I was, and you know, if you, I have a general rule as if I complain about it um, more than three times, and I've got to either accept it, um, change it, or let it go. Um, and that's definitely what I needed to do: is uh, let it go, take the lesson, and um, move forward. So, uh, currently, uh, I work work at a, a high school. Um, working with a bunch of youth athletes, um, and we've we've done some amazing things in the last uh, year um, in terms of changing the, I guess, the expectations of performance to what are the basic needs of athletes, and um, moving into that space of um, how we can coach better and service like the basic needs of um, what our youth really need, and. Um, how sports can really teach those lessons in leadership in particular. So yeah. Magnificent man and um, it's something that I'm looking to go forward with this year. Um, I probably won't be playing rugby with Baby Jill in March but one of the things I'm going to be doing is uh, mentoring some young flankers at the local high school here and I think for me one of the things I want to teach especially in a position like loose forward is um, what is what is your responsibility to the team and, and who are you responsible to and what are you responsible for and with the massive hope that that follows into the rest of their life um, what do you think is a key, key message for our young people especially from sport and, and athletics I think um, sports teaches us again lots of lessons whether we like to learn them or not um, and, and reflects our attitudes in, in daily life. Um, I think there's five real key components that we need to look at when we're either coaching or thinking about sports and the pressures that we put on athletes or kids and 
high performance or just social and having fun is, well, maybe six, six. Um, so it's like the idea of inspiration, right? So how are we inspiring um, kids and how are they gaining their inspiration? Um, is it from winning and losing or is it from um, putting an effort and seeing and seeing progressive improvement? And I would argue that, that winning and losing has a lot of costs. Um, and then on the other side of that, if we look at it as seeing progressive improvement, there's so many more benefits and teaches us more lessons and there's more avenues and an uncapped limit of growth. Yeah. So that, that kind of Carol Dweck look at um, the growth mindset and mm -hmm. I, I'd say that that's probably a large component of how I coach um, and how I look at athlete mentoring. Um, the other one, the next is probably is connection. So how are we as coaches connecting, supporting, um, giving a sense of belonging and trust to our athletes um, and it doesn't matter whether you're the best um, in getting the most play playing time or if you're just a guy that plays for fun and he does it because he loves it um, like there's a cost to only looking after the best and you know there's always these big surprises of kids that you know ticked just kept ticking along kept ticking along and never um lost sight of their journey mm. and um developed later and a great example of that is the warriors cult hero charlie gubb um he actually used to play water polo as well shout out to <laughs> charlie you're a legend love you so much um uh and you know he was never the biggest baddest rugby player on the field but he always just played because he loved it yeah. and he realized that everyone matters and everyone's journey mattered. And uh, he was always that team guy on the team um, and he made, made the teams work. And when you have that culture of um, everyone mattering um, and everyone feeling included, uh, you garner a lot of um, unconditional support, encouragement, and friendships that go far beyond sport. Um, yeah, so that's like another one. Another idea is like the idea of empowerment. Um, so as a coach, we like to have tight control over um, how our athletes operate. Mm -hmm. um, this often is very autocratic. We put out cones, we run some drills. Yeah, never any cones on a rugby field. I can't. I think that was Michael Checker that said that. It's like there's never any cones on a rugby field, and it's like, why are we putting cones on the rugby field? Like everyone understands like the boundaries, and if we <laughs> articulate well enough, they'll hold themselves accountable to those boundaries. Anyway, so yeah, there's <laughs> that there's that um, idea of strict control, and you know, the cost of that is. Um, kids learn in particular this idea of hierarchy, yeah. you know, rather than everyone being a leader, right, and having their place. So um, empowering everyone on the team to have a little bit of control in what needs to, and what they can have control in. Obviously, as a coach, you have foresight of where you want to go um, and making that clear to the team. And um, 
from that, like, there's time to correct mistakes as well, and there's no pressure on on on. I hate it. I, I dislike the word failures, but like in anything that doesn't go according to plan, mm. um, and recognizing their ideas because they're, they're the ones that play it. So they're the ones that want to have the fun as well. Um, the other, the other couple of ideas are the idea of play and sampling. So rather than um, training for performance, so getting bigger, better, faster, stronger. So learning these things and coaching these things through play, mm-hmm. right? Um, so putting uh, constraints on different um, drills that make them that make athletes think outside of the box. Um, as, as often, like, I, well, from my experience, um, has often always been um, beneficial rather than saying we're doing this direct instruction. Um, if there's if they don't do something right, there's a punishment. If they do something right, there's a reward, and there's a, like always a cost because then people are only doing things um, for the reward, which is not what you want. You want people playing sport, being active because uh, it makes them happy and they love it, you know? Um, and then <clears throat> the idea of sampling is that idea of early specialization. It's like, you know, we put so much kids uh, pressure on kids to be specialty athletes at the age of, frick, I, don't know, I, I know some eight-year-olds that are training to be Olympic swimmers, you know, like, gosh, mm. how boring a life is that? It's like, let kids be kids, let them try everything and find what that makes them happy you know i'm sure there's some kids swimming out there or running track that don't like chasing lines you know they want to go squiggly a little bit and so helping kids um find their niche rather than giving it to them just because they might show potential in it and if they do maybe nurturing it as well so i think if we look at all of those things the the one the one common element within that is um, to always do something because you love it so that would be my, my that was the long way of getting to that yeah was never feel an obligation to do it because when you feel it's an obligation you're just kind of going through the motions um, that's never a happy place to be understand there's a grind and there's effort that needs to be put in but do do something because you love it um, and everything will fall into place. It's like, don't put templates on yourself because you see other people um, doing X, Y, and Z. It's like, forge your own path, do things because you love them, um, and don't be afraid to do it. Like, and I think, um, yeah, that's kind of something I would, I would try and pass on to anyone looking to mentor or coach athletes is, um, really nurture that that love. Mm. Um, I think Edo Portal said, um, if you find a good coach, regardless of what he's teaching, um, stay with that coach until you've learned everything you absolutely can from him because a good coach is more valuable than the tool that you're, you're trying to learn yeah. or the, the trick you're trying to learn or the skill that you're trying to learn. Um, and it will teach you more lessons. Not a direct quote, but 
relatively something that he said and that stuck with me for a long time. It was like, I want to be that guy that people want to come to regardless of the sport just to listen and understand because, yeah, just because. No, that's, that's awesome. Um, and definitely when it comes to, like I say, swimming in straight lines, um, I think another challenge that swimming, I think, has now fixed doing away with junior nationals. But in it, from a swimming sense, it was always every carnival, you've got to meet this time. Um, every year, you've got to make this meet, which leads on to making this meet, which leads on to making this meet, which leads on to making this meet. It was never about um, well, some slight skill, skill acquisition, but it was never about, hey, putting in this work for this period of time creates this picture and I think that's one of the big reasons why swimming when people get to sort of 15 16 they go look I've had enough of staring at a black line I'm, I'm out of here and thank God for me water polo came along early in high school and like you say it was about fun it was about love it was we're still in the pool working hard and you know egg beating for hair and a half <laughs> but you know it was it was so much fun it was with your mates it was that comp- companionship connection we're all there for each other and Hey, as, as Southman, we would go to nationals and get our ass kicked, but it was still fun. It was a great time with with the team, and, and like I say, we we learned a lot out of that. Even though the, in you know binary we failed, but we we had a great time, and you know those those guys I played water polo with back in the day are still good mates with. So you're exactly right. And at the end of the day, like you know, these kids that are the winning junior nationals or whatever, it's probably more important to the parents than it is to them. They're actually still playing because they, they want to play. And it's like, they won't remember that gold. I can't remember any results that I had like when I was I was playing um, that age. And it's like, but I do remember like lots of feelings and like, um, and I would, I'd often have like these come downs after tournaments because I'd be like, shoot, I've just loved being around these guys for such a long time and we've forged such a awesome friendship over a week away um, and I learned so much about um, uh, myself during these times it was like oh now I'm like I'm in solitude again <laughs> cool I'm, I'm back to the to reality and that, that's real special so like and those were like the, some of the best times of my life and funny you can you say that as well as like that you're just you're working hard and um, you, but you're still enjoying it. When I was in the states, um, we did uh, buds training, so Navy yeah. SEALs training. <laughs> and um, one of the things that really stuck with me with those guys was um, this concept of em- em- embracing the suck. Um, <laughs> and they showed us a photo of a guy who was had this mean mug on, like carrying this giant log like looking like he was just so determined and then this guy carrying the same log and he was smiling and they asked us like which guy do you think made it through training camp or made it through buds and we were like the guy that we had the mean mug he looked so focused he was like nah it was a guy that loved every second of the of the training because um he was able to embrace every moment and see the potential of his growth through it not the guy that was just doing it because he wanted to be a Navy SEAL. It was like, you know, so always that big, big picture and, and doing things again with love. Absolutely, and that's what goes back to what you're saying. Those, those people out there that chip away at it and, and love it 
they're the ones that succeed through and it's just you've reiterated um something that i heard on that choco willink podcast is you know there's there's a guy that's like you know ripped ripped as strong as they're out the guys that are fit as can run for miles can swim for miles they're out it's the ones that are just enjoying it loving it there for each other supporting each other that get through and that's why that's why seal, yeah. seals are so tight-knit and and awesome <laughs> yeah, badass yeah. you know, that badassery like is in their nature yeah but if you can't smile and breathe um through the tough stuff it was like how are you going to react again and maybe a firefight or when they actually put in a life or death situation, are you going to go hard and silent and cold or are you going to be able to communicate and smile and talk and be like, okay, like this is what we need to do. And that's where that trust is again garnered in those, in those guys is because um, they're able to communicate so well through all of the craziness yeah. and the challenges. Um, and you hear Sebastian Jugger saying about um, just normal military the ones that have the highest rates of PTSD, um, but the guys from SEALs, their levels of anxiety are high when they're sitting around doing nothing. The moment they go into battle, they're, they're relaxed and chilled. Drops down. Drops down. It's, it's yeah. an incredible state. And, a, and that's probably something that you see come through in athletes. I was, I was listening to Jeff Nowitzki talking about the UFC, you know, like guys that are out the back, they're warming up. They don't see the crowd. They don't see anything, and they have to walk out to this arena. And you'd think that it'd just, you know, blow up some people. But actually, they walk out there, and that's when they switch on. They relax, thriving. and they're thriving. Yeah, no, it's it's epic. Yeah. Playing playing water polo at a high level, you know, if, if just people that you that in your team or that you turn up against that you can see that you know, they're on, and, and this is going to be a hard day, or this is going to be a great day with this team, you know. Yeah, I, I've been through, um, you know, I've played a lot of sport, uh, a lot of water polo in a lot of different countries um, uh, for a bunch of different teams. And you can tell um, a good team, again, by their coach, like what the potential is for a, a good team um, through their coach. Um, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that... Uh, Attitude is like a, a direct reflection of leadership. So if we have a, if you have a coach that is high strung, um, really tense, uh, bouncing off the walls, complaining at all these uh, calls that are being making, um, again going back to that whole punishment carrot and stick um, philosophy of training, um, you know, that's a direct reflection of how the team will operate. Um, and so, when I walk into when I walk into teams, is and then it's a lesson that I've learned is um, never sign a contract before you know the coach. Yeah. Um, and that was a uh, that was a hard lesson um, that I learned, and I've been helping a couple of athletes go and play um, professionally overseas recently, and you know every single one of them that I send overseas or have a, have a little bit of a hand in helping them get overseas. Uh, I wouldn't send if I didn't really 100% believe in the coach or I wouldn't put them in a situation where they wouldn't learn and grow. Um, but yeah, so back to the question, which was? Uh, 
who when, you, when you're playing with somebody, or who who's some people that you've played with or played oh, against? Yeah. They just you just know you just know. Um, so some people do like their names. Nah, just just areas of and, and, and experiences with it. Um, my most recent experience, um, we had two really great leaders um, in the team I played for in Brisbane. Mm -hmm. um, very different characters, but they were exactly like what we're talking about in that seal mentality. Um, before the game, you could see that like, they were moving around a lot, but as soon as they hit the water, it was just like there was like a calm that kind of washed over them. Um, I'll drop their names. Uh, this guy Billy Miller and another guy Reese Howden. Yeah. Um, there, there was just something about them that um, they would always play hard and fast, but there was always you always felt like you had an extra second on every other team when you had them in the water because of how calm they were and you knew that they were always thinking and doing the right thing, um, and they always had your back. Um, because I'm a center forward and I would always be trailing, <laughs> trailing in transition defense because I just had maybe 20 seconds wrestling and I was a bit tired and you know, 110 kgs is hard to lug up and down the pool multiple times. But um, yeah, so those two are, were particularly amazing guys um, that I played with. Um, and then there's, there's lots of grinders um, that I played with in the States that weren't um they weren't starters and they might not have even got too much play time but they were the guys that showed up every day and they were the guys that in the locker room would be making jokes and they were the guys that you would want to go and have coffee and study with and they're the guys that you would love to go and eat with because there was no pressure to talk about the stuff that you'd just been training about for with for the last six hours or three hours, you know, depending on how long training went, you know, so um, those guys um, were always, always amazing, you know, they, were, they might have been called like our B team or something like that, but they were often like the guys that made the team and that's, they were the fiber of the team. Nice, mate. Um, but yeah. Awesome. Um, so probably we'll shift on to one of our transition questions, which is what's a characteristic of you as five years old that shows through today, man. Who who is Seth at five years old? <laughs> That's a super challenging question because I can't remember myself at five years old. Um, or around then, primary school, Sefa. Um, I think I'm, I'm pretty stubborn. Yeah. Um, I really liked getting my way. But I, I also, um, that kind of transitioned into not wanting to quit it on something until I got it. So mm -hmm. um, a little bit more relenting and pursuing the ta uh, a task or a skill. So if I couldn't do X, I would try and do it for as, I would, I would practice it and practice it and practice it until I got it. Like I can remember... Um, like my coach telling me that I, my hands were too hard. I had this Russian coach um, and I had no idea what he meant because his English wasn't like 100 um, and that wasn't 100 English either. But, um, but um, 
He was a great coach, but he he gave me some drills to do to make my hands softer. It was like, you need softer hands. Um, and so I can remember um, every night, like in my bed, just playing, like juggling, lying on my bed, juggling um, until my hands were softer and I couldn't hear the ball on my hand. You know, like things like that. Um, and I, I still do them. Um, I think I've had a, a huge learning this um, this year of uh, having holding myself to the same standards that I hold other people to because mm -hmm. um, I kind of let that go for the last year. Um, just moving more into a coaching space and trying to figure out how, how I can balance um, early mornings, late nights with getting my own training in and own practice in. Um, but it's been really, really cool to learn that lesson. And, you know, that's why I'm excited for 2018 is because I know that the the possibility is endless and there's uncapped or untapped potential that I haven't gone into that um, I'm excited to kind of explore. But yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah, something that probably Waterpolo taught me, uh, I'd played football for since I was really young and then getting into the pool and, and all of a sudden they're like, use your left hand. You know, you'd, I'd played softball, cricket, soccer all all right dominant and then they're like oh you need you need your left hand you need two hands to play water polo and it was just yeah it's all of a sudden just trying to throw with the left hand and no it's not it's not great great now but at least i can kind of do it mm. back then it was really good i could catch get up and, and hiff it in um how important do you think it is about being so dynamic in the pool and especially in a position where you're being swamped by your opposition um, at centre forward, you know, you've got that split second to grab the ball and, I don't know, turn it whichever way you can and try get it in the cage. Um, what what do you think that shows up in being dynamic and, and ambidextrous? So how does how does that reflect my life now? Yeah. Or yeah. being ambidextrous and dynamic? <laughs> cool, I like that. Um, I wouldn't say I'm complete ambidextrous, um, I can throw, I can juggle a little bit, um, but yeah, being dynamic, I like the word agile. Yeah. I think um, it shows up in, you know, uh, being able to see a complex situation and it might not be exactly uh, the direction you're going, but moving to where you need to go. Um, and that's similar to playing center forward, right? If we're going to use that metaphor. It's like a ball comes into the water. I have, it might not be exactly uh, into the center position. It might not be exactly where I wanted it to go, but I have to move to it to get, to make something happen. Um, I guess, yeah, we can draw lots of uh, correlations and metaphors to what that actually means. But yeah, it's like actually going for after what you want um, rather than sitting back. Because, you know, another center forward metaphor, if you, if you just sit back, the center defender is going to take. There's a there's a guy behind you who's going to take everything from you, you know, and then he's going to burn you down the pool and, and take what's his. Yeah. You know? So yeah, which reminds me of a really cool story. I don't know if it happens anymore on um, school buses, but I used to catch a school bus every every day um, to school and back home, and one day. Um, 
the seniors on the bus uh, put twenty dollars. And twenty dollars back in the day actually bought you quite a lot of things. So yeah. Just buy you like what what is it, like nine liters of gas now? <laughs> um but they're like, if you can make it to the back, uh you can have the twenty dollars. I was like, So I just have to go and get that twenty dollars. And they're like, Yeah. Little did I know it was a stitch up. It was I, they there was actually the gordlet. Yeah. As soon as I made like my first step, this guy just came flying out of nowhere and clocked me into the side of the bus. <laughs> and it's like the next day, I was like, put it back up there. I was like, I want twenty dollars. You're not just going to get a free shot, you know? So it was like boom, and then it was just like it was a little bit of craziness. Made it to the back seat, took the twenty dollars, and walked back. And I think I bought maybe like twenty bags of long legs or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's all about taking what um, you want and going after it because no one else is going to do it for you, right? Like, Absolutely. you got to own, own that shit. Now, cool. Um, sticking with the juggling and, and things, you're, you're good mates with the Real Movement guys and you're over with Ezra Taylor. What do you, what do you think of their message about being so dynamic and, and having so many skills and then sharing the message and being supportive? What, what, what's, what's that sort of mean to you and why does that resonate with you? Man, those guys are unreal. Like Keegan has created Keegan Smith, um, the founder of the Real Movement Project. Um, he's created something really, really special in um, Queensland, and um, <clears throat> they they're changing the face of what's actually possible for an everyday human or just the, the human experience. Yeah, um, they're disregarding lots of limiting beliefs that we all have about ourselves and knowing that they have them themselves and they never, they're always honest and articulate very well um, that they go through the same struggles as every single one of us. Um, they can hold handstands and they can juggle, but um, they put themselves out there and um, yeah, it, it's hands down the best performance, uh, I wouldn't say performance, human development or human potential um, collective hub um, I've ever seen. Mm. You know, and I've been part of high-performance sport for uh, shit, over 15 years now with New Zealand and over in the States and playing professionally overseas. Um, and they just do something real special. And they, um, we have something here in New Zealand called Hawara, uh based in, on Hawara and mm -hmm. it's uh, called, I think it's Te Whare Tapafa, and it's looking at um, the aspects of our uh, well-being. Mm -hmm. They really, really preach that. It's not just about what you do physically, but it's like how we're nourishing our body, how we um, are spiritually nurturing our body and soul, how we're connecting and being um, and uh, organizing our communities and our collectives um, and creating connection for one another as well as the physical culture of it all, you know, and I think um, it allows a lot of people the balance that they need um, and the support that they need as well and they're, they're just amazing, like I, I couldn't speak any higher of them, like those bright stars in the sky, they're, they're them to me, you know, like 
um, yeah, Israel is a Israel is a huge component of um, of why I wanted to get into um, strength and conditioning and coaching was because I saw this six foot three devilishly good looking uh, guy doing spinal waves and locomotion. He weighs like 110 kgs, probably down to 100 now, knowing the Brisbane summer. But, you know, like, and he's just moving like so gracefully. And I was like, you know, like there's strength and strength and then there's strength and softness. And he showed both and I wanted to be a bit more like him. Um, and yeah, like, He's he's great. I, like, yeah, those guys, unreal. You know, they were hanging out at um, Brisbane Street the other day, doing doing handstands, moving their legs around, and it, you know, and there's also Ezra's got that picture of him pistol squatting on the beach, and you're just like, oh man, keep keep going. <laughs> there's there's so much more that, that that's that's what I get out of them. There's so much more life can bring in, like. Yeah. Um, our, our podcast with Keegan's been our most successful, and just because he he's so great, you know, he he put it out there to his community. Said, "Hey, I did this podcast with Ryan. Have a listen." And, and people have tuned in, and, and like all those guys that are just you like you say, it's about community, it's about strength, and and it's about being being soft, being strong, being being in touch. You know, taking accountability, like you say, acknowledging where you where you're limiting yourself. I just think it's really 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 awesome stuff mm. no. and, they're, and they're lucky they're very lucky that um, they're all on the same page yeah of what they want and who they're trying to um, help develop in the community that they're trying to create I think one thing that um, is happening in New Zealand is everyone's trying to fight over the same clientele the same fish and they don't think there's enough you know, New Zealand's got a population of four point what six million. Like, there's a there's a lot of health issues going on within our community. There's four point six million people that you can tap into, um, and you can create a lot of change with. And um, you know, it's about going after what you want rather than trying to fight for the for the the crumbs. You know, yeah. like if you're hungry, you're not going to put crumbs on your on your dinner plate right yeah. or like a chicken breast and some avocado and something else i don't know that's what i'm eating tonight <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah we've got it we're gonna roast in the oven and it's smelling good <laughs> dinner at your house then is it? <laughs> yeah. i'll drive yeah. down take me an hour yeah or two with this, all this weather mate um <laughs> moving on what what is uh tenerife like bro <laughs> You asked me a crazy question. I see you've been on my Facebook profile. I was just like, Tenerife. I had, to, I had to like put it on a map to just really picture what this place is about. I, I've heard heard about it. What's it like, bro? <laughs> so they call it the uh, the Hawaii of the Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, I think. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. It was crazy. Um, it was one of the most fun experiences of my um, of my playing. Uh, my professional playing time. Um, and for those that don't know where Tenerife is, it's uh, the Canary Islands. It's a colony of Spain, and we played in the Spanish uh, league. Um, and 
yeah, that team was made up of Cubans, Hungarians, Venezuelans, some Spanish, some people from from the Canary Islands, an American, myself, and it was just such a diverse culture of of people coming together to just uh, all speak the language of water polo, um, and often in in team talks because my Spanish at the time uh, when I first started was muy mal, <laughs> muy mal, and so very bad, and. Uh, I would just nod and then I'd look at the whiteboard and see what was being drawn and I was like, mm, mm, and nod. <laughs> and then like, I'd get like, entiende? So like, do you understand? Like, from the coach, I was like, si. Yes. It was like, but really it was always no. It was like, then I have to ask somebody like, can you tell me what he was actually saying? It was like, you're this player, we're moving here. Uh, it's important that you go here. Are you okay with that? I was like, yeah, easy. Water polo. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> but yeah, um, the the professional lifestyle of sport uh, um, at that at that age, I had just come out of um, university in the states. Um, I'd come back and I'd worked a little bit here, um, and I trained for a, a world champs um, campaign with the New Zealand men's team. Um, and, uh, I, I knew that I didn't want to come back to New Zealand. So when this, um, because I was, I thought that the world was everywhere else, but New Zealand was great. <laughs> um, and so when I left on that world champs campaign, I didn't have any intention to come back and I was lucky enough that. Um, the guy that was helping me put put together some footage for international clubs found me this contract, and you know it sounded great. It's like, yeah, there's great surf. Um, all the all the 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 island thinks about is water polo and football and basketball. So those are the three main sports. So you're gonna have packed stands. You know, it was it was amazing, and um, yeah, I was really, really Out, outdoor pools. Outdoor pool, indoor pool, um, beach water polo, like you name it, like they had it. Um, yeah, uh, we lived in a, uh, some people said it was the wrong side of town. We thought it was great. Like we lived in like the university area of uh, the town. So like we knew the nights that the university students were going out and so like we like to dance, we learn to dance. Um, we're very, very robotic, but they found it really funny. <laughs> so it was great. Nice, bro. So, what was the transition from a place like that? Um, oh, sorry, to a place like that, coming from a place like UC Berkeley. Like you, you see it on on. You know, it's always talked about Berkeley. It's uh, it's a hotbed. What, what what was it like being there? Yeah, I was I was really really lucky. Um, I Cal was a dream of mine from when I started when the internet kind of started putting up uh, profiles of teams, and I used to go on online all the time and be like, "What school could I see myself at?" You know, like I'm a New Zealand kid. Um, my parents 
you know, knowing international fees, something like fifty thousand dollars a year for an international student, mm. definitely couldn't have paid that. So I needed to work hard to get a scholarship um, to the school. Um, yeah, it, like it was a dream, and I, I went an unconventional, unconventional way. So I went to a junior college and played two seasons at a junior college for um, the best coach that I've ever had in my life. Um, Bruce Watson, who, 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 in sport, I love to emulate. Um, he is now the head coach of San Jose State water polo team, um, a program that was dead and now is thriving under his leadership. But he never taught. He never really taught too much water polo. Like he ran, he ran trainings, but it was more about how you were outside of the water. He really cared about who you were as a person and as a human and um, less about where your water polo was going, knowing that your water polo would handle itself if everything outside um, was on point. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I went and played two seasons there, uh, a couple of accolades in the state championship later. Um, I got a um, off pretty much a full ride to Cal, um, which allowed me to... Uh, study a glorified political um, science degree with a focus in development. Um, and yeah, it was amazing. Cal was very intimidating to start with, knowing that you're around the most elite of the elite every, at everything. So whether they were engineers or whether they were basketballers or football players or um, political scientists yeah. <laughs> and an un, unruly amount of um, Nobel Prize laureates or Nobel laureates there. Um, yeah, it was great. But the amazing thing with that culture at Cal is that they, um, they really care about um, holding everyone up rather mm -hmm. than fighting for... Um, fighting for grades and fighting for positions. Everyone's held here and expected to be there. So they do everything that you can, they can do to get you there. Um, and that was something that I really, really remember is that always being held to like my highest potential and nothing else was expected of me. Like that's all that's expected of you is that you give your best, you know, like all the time. Um, yeah. Awesome. How, how did, going to the States become an option for you? Like, you know, you don't hear of many people being told, hey, you could you could do your university in, in the USA, you know. <clears throat> like, where, where did that come from? You know, who, who, who was it in Wellington that said, you know, mate, you're bigger than, than this, you know? Well, I, I had no, like, I had no idea that it was an option. I just knew that, and I've never played because I wanted something out of the sport. Mm. Like again, like I've always played because I, I, I just loved it. And I stopped, I've stopped twice because I stopped loving it. Mm -hmm. um, and I needed to refine that fire in my belly to like want to turn up at 5.30 in the morning to swim. Because um, I never wanted it to be an obligation. Um, it was actually a coach um, he was the assistant coach. I don't know if I will get him in trouble if I say this, actually. <laughs> yeah, let's not go. Uh, nah, he, um, so there was a coach 
um, at a tournament called the Pan Pacific Games, um, who was involved with the Cal team. Yeah. There was another coach that was another team um, there. And, you know, I, I think they just saw, like, this big coconut guy um, smiling, scoring goals, playing great defense. Um, <laughs> Biggest point defender ever. <laughs> Did you say the best? Yeah, yeah, that too. No, 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 no. There's always someone bigger and better. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, I, I had a really good tournament, and, and at the end of the tournament, um, he came up, and I think we got bronze, and I had like a really, and they were playing in the final, um, and he was like really impressed, he came up, and he asked me like, what am I doing, like how old am I, and I was like, I'm this age, um, uh, uh, I have no idea, I'll probably take a year off. Um, train here in New Zealand. I had no ambition of actually going to university mm -hmm. um, straight out of high school. I actually wanted to go and um, travel and surf heaps um, around the world. Um, but then when that opportunity kind of came up, um, it was something that I couldn't kind of pass up. And it was, uh, I went over and trained with the cow, uh, the club team at Cal um, over winter, so over this time. So I actually went over, I, I disregarded summer and went over in the winter and trained um, with them and in a couple of high schools over there that said that I could do another year and play for them as well. Um, and they liked what they saw, I said, my parents can't afford 50K a year. They like, showed me some numbers. It was like, what are my options? And they said, well, we free up some doll hairs um, in a couple of years if you're willing to wait like, and you've um, progressed and developed. Like, here's a couple of options. So I went to, um, they rec highly recommended this coach, um, Bruce Watson at West Valley Junior College. And I ended up there because um, I went and, had a conversation with him and he was just like, so what are you passionate about? Didn't ask me about water polo. And I remember it distinctly, like there was a training session and then he, he came and met me and he was like, one of the first questions he asked me was like, what are you passionate about? I was like, far out, like, never met you. I really like your mustache. <laughs> like I'm actually fixated on your mustache and you're asking me this like, what seemed like a real existential question at the time because um all right yeah i think i just said i, I i'm passionate about uh, playing water polo surfing and trying to be a good person and he was like awesome it was like well west valley um would love to have you and junior colleges are generally uh cheaper options uh for tuition and so i worked really hard and my parents supported me where they could and um i paid my way through that um and you know, never asked for any shortcuts, but um, uh, or anything to be easy. I just wanted the opportunity, um, and yeah, I think that was probably one of the best. Another one of the best teams that I'd been on um, was because of his leadership as well as a coach. So, yeah, that that's my story. How I got to Cal, I uh, 
played two seasons at, at the junior college and um, a year and a half later, the head coach came and had a sandwich with me <laughs> at a place called Mr. Pickles and was like, so do you want to come? And at that time, I was being recruited by a hundred more schools. Um, and that was great. It was a real cool feeling to know that like everything that you would put into it was being recognized and your, your worth was being acknowledged as an athlete, but also as a student. Um, yeah, because, uh, you know, they wouldn't take somebody that could just play water polo and couldn't read a book. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Did you have sort of a defining moment of, yeah, I'm going to do this, and, yeah, this, this two years is going to get me there? Did you, did you write anything down or, or landmark it or anything like that? Um, shoot, I don't distinctly remember, actually, um, Uh, writing down anything I just knew that as soon as I had that contact from those two coaches so the one of the Pan Pacific games and then um, the meeting with Bruce where he asked me what am I passionate about no one had freaking asked me that they were like there'd be like questions like so what do you, what do you want to study or uh, um, what do you want to be when you grow up and I was like far out man like relax I don't know what I'm going to be like I still don't know what I'm going to be yeah um i'm but i'm working towards it every day um and i'm doing it with lots of love and you know uh that was probably the defining moment is like just being like yeah i just want to be around somebody that cares about my growth um as a person and i think you know there's there's this cap to where your parents can kind of take you and sports coaches potentially in new zealand um and there's always a grass is greener thing. You don't realize what you've got until you've, you've left it. Um, but yeah, like that was a defining moment for me, my bro. Awesome, man. Um, and you say come from a place of love and, and <clears throat> you started the year off. You said started off right with some yoga. Um, you know, people must look at you and go, you do yoga? And, and like I get that, but... Not meaning to to put a stereotype on you, but looking at you, you'd think this guy does yoga. And then you just need to flick on your Instagram and see. Oh, he also does handstands. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what what does yoga mean to you? Um, yoga is like a place where I can like reflect on myself. I think there's like this this place in the world where we live now there's not enough reflection mm -hmm. of a day of an action of a year you know like really looking and putting things into perspective so it's a place where I can um, I can reset um, I lost my practice halfway through last year 2017 because um, I was living this very unhealthy lifestyle of thinking that if I hustle a little harder and don't look after me, that everything else will fall into place. So if I work on my business, if I work on coaching, if I work on, if I work hard at work, then everything out, then I'll have time to look after me when I'm 
when you've done it, you've made it. When I'm 40, when I've yeah. made it. That's a load of horseshit. Yeah. It's like, if you can't put yourself first and you're always showing up half at half empty or half full, whatever you want to look at it, um, you're, to work, you're only giving work at 50%. At coaching, you're only giving the people that you work with 50% for your own businesses and entrepreneurial ventures outside, you're only giving that 50%. Um, and so I refound my practice in December um, and it was probably like the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, yeah, but, and it allowed me to like, again, reflect on my year and like really set, set myself up to be like the best me. Because when I'm at 100 and I'm able to give 100% at coaching, 100% at whatever work I'm doing, um, like I really, really back myself that it, it's going to be outstanding. Um, and yeah, so it's a place where yoga for me is that. Um, it's a place where I can refine my, refine my breath. I think during the day when we get put in stressful situations, um, we lose our ability to breathe. And um, there's a saying, if you're not breathing, then you're not living. If you're not living, then you're not loving. And if you're not loving, then what's the point? Nice. <laughs> yeah. So it's like if you're not able to do like some basic things for yourself and um, reflect on everything that you've done and put things in perspective of a grand scheme or where you want to go um, or your trajectory, um, you're setting yourself up for not success. And for me, success is not millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, it might be nice. It won't buy me what I really want and what I really see as success and that's happiness. Yeah. Um, and knowing that everyone around me and in my community is happy and healthy and thriving not just surviving on their day-to-day, but really, really thriving, so, yeah. No, that's, that's powerful. Well, um, I think, think my dinner's ready, and I won't hold you away from your uh, your dinner. Mm. Just just on that, do you, I know there's a lot of going around now about time-restricted eating, do you, do you follow any of that? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily eat after uh, eight o'clock. Yeah. I'll definitely let you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it don't take 45 minutes to eat. Uh, but yeah, at the moment, my nutrition is uh, as much whole foods as possible. So as little processed um, and eat what's in season. Like that's it. Beauty. Like, I don't want anything that's been frozen and got some chemical push through it to keep it green or red or whatever. Like I want something that's um, as whole as possible, as organic as possible, and as in season as possible. Yeah. I like, I like it. Yeah, man. Same. (laughs) Um, So awesome. So, so grateful for this and so cool. Share it because, you know, that day we met in person again was an awesome connection and, and, um, what you do and how you speak and, and what you speak of is so inspiring and, and resonating and it's so awesome to get it out there. Um, where can people follow along and get these little gems every now and again? 
2018 is going to be um, an amazing year. Um, I don't particularly use my Instagram um, as much as I should or as much as Gary V says I should. Um, <laughs> Daily vlogging. <laughs> tag Gary V in this blog. Last minute of our blog. He always comes up. Yeah, he's, he's in the vernacular, right? <laughs> Gary Does anyone know his last name? What's his name? Vaynerchuk. Ah, there we go. That's it. Um, yeah, but you can follow me at Brownbeard Don't Care um, on Instagram um, and on Twitter, Coach Seth. Um, I'm a, for work, I have to use my Twitter. I have to use my Twitter a little bit more. Um, oh, the storm's going crazy outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can hit me up on if you're if you're wanting to just chat, have a a low key conversation, informal as all hell like this. You can um, reach out at bearstrengthandmovement at gmail .com. Um, If you've got any questions about aquatic development or youth development, um, that's where my head's at and where my specialty lies in and my passion lies in. Um, I'm I'm there. I'll field any questions that you guys throw at me. Yeah. Beautiful. Love it, man. Love you. Thanks very much, bro. Hey, the last thing you said that um, you wanted me to throw out a challenge to the community. Oh, yes. Yes. Hey, I'll, I'll call you on that one. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, my challenge um, for everyone uh, in the community, it's January 5th. I want you to look at your resolutions and throw them away. I want you to set some really grand intentions for yourself um, and expectations for yourself um, and do everything with love, okay? That's awesome. Cool. I love it. We'll see you later, Ryan. Cheers, bro. Absolutely, thanks so much. Wowee, that was something that when I finished up recording this podcast, I was absolutely buzzing and tingling and excited and just yeah really excited and honored to be able to share with you the messages that uh, Sefa shares there and it's super cool super humbling to come across somebody like Sefa and just your whole being starts to resonate and what you believe in is just being reflected back at you it's super awesome um I love what Sefa said about instead of making a New Year's resolution, you know, a line in the sand, how about um, loving yourself and giving yourself that opportunity to be a better person and setting some intentions for what's going to be another awesome year. For me, uh, I didn't make a resolution, um, but definitely following this conversation came up with some intentions that I, I hope to put forward to the world um, Obviously, with the end of March coming about and the birth of my first child, I just want to be a great man, uh, a great father, and a great partner to Alex. Um, she's doing such amazing stuff carrying the baby, and I just can't wait to be there for her and for the baby and for the rest of our family. It's so cool. One thing I've got the intention to do is... Uh, to try and focus on time-restricted eating. I touched on that at the end there, talking with Sefa. Um, unfortunately, the time was getting on, and 
I wanted to get finished eating for the day before eight and it's something that he's doing as well. Um, so to do this, what I've sort of decided to do is try and get my fitness, um, my training in in the mornings and that way I can get home and uh, at the moment cook dinner and be there early and obviously after the end of March be able to help Alex um, help with the baby and yeah just be be there for them yeah by doing that as well I've managed to switch my phone to flight mode in the evenings which means that I've been able to read and be there and be present um, at the moment when she comes off work at eight o'clock and obviously in the future um, be there and be open for them so it's going to be super exciting and of course the other intention is to bring you more and more awesome guests which I hope we're doing so far. I'm absolutely loving it and I hope you are as well. Um, it's great to get your feedback from everybody. Of course, all our episodes are brought to you by Waikito, W-A-I-K-E-T-O on Facebook. That's where you'll find the community, um, all the podcasts, lots of information about optimizing your health and being the best version you could possibly be. And then specifically for exogenous ketones, if you go to waiket0.experienceketo.com, you'll find the little movie that tells you about exogenous ketones, how they work, and why it's such an awesome uh, supplement to get you in a magnificent zone for operating in a place where you're using fat for fuel, you're keeping your insulin down. Um, tell you what, I love it, and that's why I've got so much energy. So that Facebook is W-A-I-K-E-T-O and of course the website waiket com. Again, thank you so much. Uh, finally, to finish off, reiterating what Sefa said, this is the year 2018 where we do everything with love. Um, come from a place of love, not from fear, not from hate. Uh, Go from love and amazing things will happen. Lots of love from me too. Cheers.